All right, everybody, we are here and back for another amazing episode of Black Coffee with a Side of Candor. And I'm so excited. We are back with a guest this time. Um, before we get into that, for those who haven't joined before, I am Nikita Gatson here with my co-host, Monique Gibson. What's up, Mo? How you doing? Hey, girl. Good. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm Good. super excited to have yeah. our special guest, Samantha Allen is here with us. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling today? I'm good. Super honored to be here with you, especially since May is Mental Health Month. Mental Health Month. And this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic conversation for the occasion. Samantha Allen, she is a mental health therapist, a licensed clinical social worker, and the CEO of Foundations Counseling LLC here in Chicago. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology from St. Xavier University and a Master's of Social Work from Governor State University. She has also earned a certificate in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. Ooh, that's some good stuff right there. Samantha has worked with children, youth, adolescents, and families in both inpatient and outpatient settings for more than 10 years. She believes in meeting clients where they are and giving them the tools necessary for their full recovery. And she has made time and space to be with us in this mental health month. And we're super excited and grateful to have you with us. So thank you, Samantha. We're really, no we're really grateful for you sliding through on the Black Coffee with a Side of Candor podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me. Yes. Yeah. So one of the, the topic of the day, uh, Mo. You want to give us that? Yeah, a very is, is relevant. Yeah, very relevant topic, especially for, for Mental Health Month and especially just coming to, to head over the last couple of years is the warning signs of burnout, depression and other stuff. Um, what, what does it mean, Samantha, to burn out and what are the signs? Oh, that's a great question. So burnout is really a psychological syndrome that is a... Uh, a response to chronic interpersonal stresses, right? Which could come from being overworked at home, but especially being overworked at our workplace. Um, and some of the key signs of that would be uh, feeling overwhelmed, uh, prolonged exhaustion. Most often, I am pretty sure people are experiencing burnout um, when they are experiencing a lot of uh, episodes of tearfulness and crying just because, um, feeling detached from home or work and maybe experiencing a sense of ineffectiveness. Mm. Man, yeah. it's like resonate, 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 like all <laughs> of those things, like especially um, in this period of where many people are working from home. It's a wonderful um, accommodation. It's really convenient. And if you don't set the right boundaries and have the right levels of start and stop, it can really contribute to that burnout because this, let me just do this one last thing, turns into seven, eight o'clock at night. And then you go, and even if it's not that, just the switch of turning directly from work to all of the other responsibilities of life and not having that buffer either, even with a, a commute to and from home, it, it can be a lot. Um, so I really, I really have experienced um, those feelings of burnout, just like P 
people feeling like you're pulled in all directions all the time. What you what do you think, Mo? Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting. I, I just was thinking about how, you know, even five years ago, just in the community, in the black community, we don't we don't talk about mental health. It, it's um, you'll be okay. Oh, just you know, pray about it. And and I'm not saying anything for or against prayer, but mm -hmm. sometimes we need a little bit more than prayer. And sometimes, yeah. yeah, we we struggle with it too. So just listening, just you know what what Samantha was saying, what you were saying, Nikita. Just for a lot of us, you know, the stressors. You call them chronic stressors. You know, when you're in that workplace environment, and you know, you're just you're just pounded every day. Like what? What what have you seen some of this from your clients? I know you can't say exactly, but just in general, like what yeah, what sort of things have you seen? So I've seen a lot, but I, I do wanna I do wanna uh, respond to something you said. You know, I do come from a, a family and a, a community where they do say just pray about it, right? Just go to church. But you know, when we think about what that really means and what we're saying to people, think about those that pray or don't know how to pray or are not hearing from God, right? Mm -hmm. They're still left without answers. They're still left without help. So how is that really addressed in their mental well-being? It's not. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. prayer can be a, a means of coping, absolutely. However, you're, you're, if you don't really have a spiritual relationship with Christ, you're not really getting any direction, yeah. right? And so that that's one thing. <laughs> um, so just imagine all the people that have been left with these mental health issues that have gone unaddressed and what that contributes to the home and the communities. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that saying, oh, you just need Jesus or you just need to go to church has really wounded our community. Um, but some of the things that I, I will say I have been seeing is uh, the pandemic has helped us, but it also has hindered, hindered us. Um, you've seen people come in with being overwhelmed with work and the responsibilities of managing work and home. You know, Nikita mentioned it's hard to turn off uh, your role of work when you're at home. I mean, add to that, you have the responsibility of managing the home, right? Even for myself, I can sit and work at home all day, but I'm also thinking, oh, I could be doing the laundry. I could be washing the dishes. So where, where are you getting the rest? And where are you gaining support? Um, so some of the things I do see are, issues of being overwhelmed, um, depression, because we as people don't really have outlets, we don't really have a strong support system, because there is a stigma related to mental health issues, we really are afraid, um, and don't know how to ask for help. So we, we suffer in silence. So I do see issues of depression um, and issues of adjustment, you know, not really knowing how to get back out and adjust to uh, individuals that no longer have the stay at home, you know, luxury um, mm -hmm. to work from home. So just adjustment issues and adjustment to being at home with with their spouse. So I've had, I have seen breakdowns in marriages, breakdowns in families. So overall, there is an inability to regulate the um, emotions that come along with adjusting to these changes. Yeah, I I, I, want, I know that was a great segue into <laughs> the next question, but I really do wanna, I think it's a great opportunity for listeners to cue in on this, this conflict between having strong faith 
and utilizing the resources that God has given us in mental health professionals and therapy and that kind of thing. Because is somebody going to tell you, just go pray if you got diabetes or if you have other physical illnesses, um, prayer may not be enough. Um, and so I, I just would encourage, I, I was working with my daughter on a college essay where she had to write about what, what are some of the um, issues in the Black community with seeking out mental health. Um, and one of the things that she came up with in the research was a um, couple of stigmas about not being strong enough to handle the things that you that are coming your way. Um, so not wanting to feel weak, right. um, the stigma of needing to uh, more than church um, to deal with your issues. So, you know, it's we could we could stay on that topic a long time because people really do overly rely on faith without taking that action towards seeking that additional help. And 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 I don't know why we don't associate the opportunity to get mental health um, and seek mental health uh, services as an alignment with something that God created. You know what I mean? Absolutely. There, there was, uh, I, I had seen someone did a, a really good write-up on the dangers of Black girl magic. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying one thing bad about that time because I love it. But then when you think of it, we're not magical beings. Mm -hmm. We're human just like everyone else. So I think because there have been, you know, some ideology around specifically Black women, somehow we can endure more pain. Somehow we can just keep on keeping on. Like, no, we, I was just thinking about myself. I was, my daughter was in her early teens. I had taken my parents out. So I'm going through dealing with a teenage girl, dealing with my elderly parents and de dealing with someone at work who was, like I always say, she was either trying to kill me, put me in a mental institution or trying to put me in jail. So I never would have thought though to seek therapy because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I just gotta be strong enough. I gotta be strong. I gotta be able to take this. I gotta, but then it impacted me. It showed itself in other ways. So. Absolutely. I think that's a narrative that our parents unknowingly project onto us, you know, and, and maybe we do see our, I could say for me, I've watched my mother endure things and continue Right. So she's never really verbally said, you just got to keep going. But watching her continue to endure and continue to take care of us, I guess that's just something that I, I picked up. However, <laughs> being a trained psychotherapist, I do understand that as a as a as a black woman, there is an expectation that we nurture, care, love and take care of. Right. And sometimes, most times it's unappreciated, right? That oh, adds yeah. to how we feel, right? Um, but I think it's important that we remind ourselves that we are valuable and that we matter. That's and right. it's important to really carve out time to pour value into ourselves through self-care, right? And through caring for ourselves, right? Looking after ourselves. I think there's a narrative that we've also been taught that we take care of everyone else first. Right. And I, I have been guilty of that myself being a mother. I do make sure I take care of my son first, but I've also had to learn and I teach my clients that 
the quality of care we give our kids, our husbands, our clients is dependent upon how well we take care of ourselves. So it's just kind of like when you get on the airplane and they're giving you instructions on how to save your life, you have to put your mask on first before you put the mask on of the person next to you. That's the best way, you know, we can be effective. But I think it's about challenging that neck that narrative that you either picked up or were taught um, and teaching your kids differently as well. Yeah. So so how do you how do you help the women who fall into that category? Like they've had to do it all. I have to keep pushing on because I have so many people who are depending on me. Like what are some of the things that that you're able to do to help them? So one of the things that comes to mind is I teach them one to challenge some of the things that they've been taught from the previous generations. Right. And that was something that I learned in grad school. So I tell clients that come to me that I'm not the the cookie cutter textbook therapist, right? I work to decolonize therapy so that we're doing therapy that works for black women, right? So one of the things that I thought was beneficial for me was to really challenge some of the things that I was taught, right? So one of the examples I use is, you remember when we were growing up, they tell us, you know, never to put your elbows on the table when you're at the dinner table, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, we we felt bad if we did it and they would chastise us if we did that. Well, of course, those are one of the things I challenged in, in my grad school experience. Well, why? why? How, how are my elbows being on the table hurting someone, right? Yeah. I'm tired. My head is heavy, right? So I really want to just rest my head. So I use that example in, in, in therapy sessions to help women challenge some of the things, the narratives and practices that they were taught to see if it really applies or if, it, if it's beneficial for them, mm. right? And, and if yeah. it's something that they even want to teach their children, right? So that's one of the things. And also I teach them to really set boundaries um, around what's best for them in their household. How is this helpful, beneficial to you, your psyche and your, your health? Oh, that's good because especially for um like A type and dare I say control um <laughs> of types of personalities <laughs> who just really for whatever reason rely on things being done a certain way. Um that's probably textbook control. But, but anyway, the point is <laughs> I, you know, to take that pause and ask okay, well, why? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to clean this thing instead of allowing someone else? It's because you want it done a certain way, but but why? Why does it have to be done that way? So kind of challenging even ourselves in the moment to relieve ourselves of some of the burdens that we put on ourselves. You know what I mean? So that's that's really helpful. Yeah. 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 So to the topic of depression, how, how do you define it? What What is depression and what are some lesser known signs of experiencing it? So depression is a common and serious medical condition that really contributes to a person experiencing negative uh, moods, right? Um, and I would kind of categorize it as sadness, feelings of hopelessness, uh, lack and loss of interest, uh, changes in appetite, changes in sleep routine, maybe trouble sleeping, feelings of worthlessness, difficulty with focusing and thinking, 
um, those types of things. And, and some even experience suicidal ideations. So so when you say those things, I I would guess that that maybe a lot of us have those thoughts of we're not enough. What else do I need to do? Oh, my God, I'm not where I want to be. I've, I've got all this schooling. You know, why am I having to deal with it? At what point is it clinical depression? Like if you if you're feeling that way for an extended period of time or. So if if so, some of that could be a sense of perfectionism. Right. Um, but it is considered clinical depression if it extends past a certain amount of time. So I would be concerned, especially for me, I don't just diagnose with major depression if you're coming in and you're saying that this is something you've experienced for three to six months, right? This is something that's prolonged and impacting your functioning. So if you're saying that you're not able to work, that it's it's impeding in your relationships and it's, it's close to like, um, you're not able to get out of bed. I think it, it changes with um, your functioning and it, it impacts your, um, that that really kind of goes along with the severity. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned uh, suicidal ideation. And when I was growing up, if there were kids who were doing that, I never heard of it. I, I never heard of it. But, but now you just hear stories of, you know, the, the young lady, and I can't remember her name. She was an attorney. She was a, a beauty pageant. When I'm a beautiful young girl. Yeah. yeah. And she, you know, she committed suicide. And you're thinking, what's going on? Like, what? Huh? Like, yeah. you know, and you're starting to hear about it more and more. Is that just, we're just starting to hear about it more because of social media? Or are people doing it more because they're not getting the help? Or like, what do you, what do you think that is stemming from? And what can we do to change that because I, I know especially with depression just like with everything else people go oh but I, we love you don't worry about it you're, she's fine and you're like no nah, I think there's something serious going on no she'll be fine absolutely I think there's several there are several factors I think one we're hearing about it more because of social media but I also think that people at the times because I do realize that she did commit suicide during the pandemic I think that those times created a barrier of us being in isolation, which made it much worse for people to get out and cope in ways that they would normally cope. Um, I also have been concerned about the amount of attention in terms of movies and television shows that have given light to suicide allegations. Like there was a I think it was 13 ways or something. There were there were movies that actually gave light to how to commit suicide or why someone would commit suicide. To me, I think that can also play a role in how kids are being educated. Social media, kids are learning about other kids committing suicide, which gives them ideas. Um, mm -hmm. So I think exposure, either way, social media, as well as the pandemic, um, definitely contributed to the increase in number of suicides. I, I remember when my daughter was it was it was either right in the the pandemic or right right after it started kind of to wind out. But she was saying how every all the girls at her school were like, "Oh, I'm depressed. I'm depressed." And she was like, "What are you depressed about?" And she was like, "Mom, they couldn't even answer." But it was like the thing to say, "Oh, well, I'm depressed." So I just to, to what you were saying about you know maybe giving it light, like, "Oh, well, if you ever if you ever wake up set, you're depressed." 
So now you think you're depressed where, and you may, you may really be depressed clinically, or you really may not be like, I just think there's a real concern of it's the thing to be depressed or to tell people that you're having suicidal thoughts. If that isn't necessarily how you feel, but you want attention or like you said, just vice versa, if that is really how you feel, but you can't tell anybody. So there's, and I know this is such a complex issue, but, um, yeah, just seeing how it's kind of become like the theme, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. Yeah, I I also think that one is super important to take it serious either way. But I I wonder how many emotions these kids are aware of, right? I think most of us know, know that there's anger, sad, and happy, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're experiencing sadness they probably just automatically go to I'm depressed, mm-hmm. right? And and then too, it could also be exposure to, I mean, if you notice that there's a, a change in what's being shown on television shows and movies, people are giving more light to the expression of mental health issues. And I think it's great, but I also think that on the other flip side of it, it exposes our kids to you know these sort of issues and they may or may not truly be experiencing them so one it gives awareness but also I think on the flip side it could you know give them ideas I want to talk a little bit about um we depression has been something that we've heard about for a long time another topic that I'm hearing more about especially with children and and even in adults is anxiety Mm-hmm. Um, and what is that? Is that more prevalent in a certain point in life, um, a certain age range that you've seen? And just a little bit about what some of those symptoms are and what people can do to cope. Because I found myself um, feeling anxious, I think is really, for me, has been connected to getting close to burnout. You feel mm-hmm. really anxious, like you have so much to do. And you haven't identified a way to release some of those things, bring closure to certain things, and you just feel so wound up and your shoulders all the way up in your ear and it's like overwhelming. Um, So can you speak a little bit about um, anxiety? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that would be helpful for the listeners. Yeah, um, I am seeing um, anxiousness in kids as early as maybe 10 years old. Um, and I do see it in um, one of my patients is probably about 77. Um, so anxiety presents itself in the form of anxiousness, worry, the inability to focus, uh, constantly worrying, not able to um, stop the worrying and like fidgety, not being able to sit still um, and and just constantly being preoccupied with thoughts that something bad is going to happen. Those are some of the signs and symptoms of anxiety. Some people get like um, stomach aches. Some people anxiety manifests in the form of headaches or illnesses. Wow. I I was just thinking, um, just growing up, my mom worried about everything and she still does. If you say you have a headache, oh, she's convinced it's a brain tumor. And and me and my brothers joke about it because we have to, but like she's so worried, like, oh, I heard you coughing. Is everything okay? 
because that could be, you know, tuberculosis. And you're like, no, I just like I just I just had a little feather in my throat. So, so you know, growing up and at the time, obviously I didn't know what it was, but now that she's with me and she she's 81, my dad is is 88. Like she's so fearful. Like she lives in a constant state of fear. And, and that's anxiety. But in her generation, like they just, oh, I hope my baby, oh, she's in a car. She she might get hit tonight. And you're like, why, why would you say that? And and again, I understand that, you know, there are a lot of things that that in their generation they had to be fearful of if you didn't come home right on time. So it's just interesting hearing about anxiety and then recognizing it in you know, my, my mother. So, so, so we, you hear that, you know, automatically I'm thinking post-traumatic stress. Mm -hmm. Um, if she's lived in that state for so long, you wonder what trauma has she been exposed to that has her in that state? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, it makes me think toward the issue of anxiety, this would be a great place to overemphasize the use of faith, right? Rather than not seeking for things like depression, because if you just decide, okay, there are certain things that I don't have any control over. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to turn those over to God and I'm going to not worry about it, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is an area um, where the, the black church can focus in, hey, utilize your faith to reduce your worry and your anxiety rather than, you know, not seeking out um, or using faith as the end all be all for, for solving all of your mental health uh, crises or issues. But I, I, I can I'll see faith as a, a coping, a coping strategy for anxiety, but it has to be something that you use in conjunction with therapy. Because when you think about anxiety, what what's happening what's present is a trigger and mm. so you really have to do therapy to really kind of unearth what that trigger is mm. and so faith and the practices of faith can be a good coping strategy mm. so there is a trigger there's still something behind that okay yeah. even with depression right even with post-traumatic stress disorder there are triggers and so you really want to figure out what those triggers are so that you can identify the solution. Have you have you seen um, PTSD in relation to work environments? Like Absolutely. like people, yeah. What, what what has that looked like? So it's it's interesting. You say that I'm following a group of women on LinkedIn that talk about trauma that they've endured in the workplace. Um, and it has, it has been a variety of different things. They talk about, um, being afraid to leave. They talk about, um, being harassed and feeling inadequate, um, and just the overall fear of leaving and having the courage to leave and then going into a new career. So, um, I have a couple, a couple of clients right now that are um, struggling with PTSD and depression and anxiety, actually um, feeling stuck in their workplace, feeling inadequate um, and trying to move forward. So it, it's happening quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's unfortunate. And, and the conversations are that it's black women doing it to, you know, 
exposing Black women to trauma in the workplace. Wow. Yeah, yeah it, it's interesting because I was in the military. So when you hear PTSD, you automatically associate that with someone who's been in a war zone or, or combat zone or something like that. And then, you know, then you hear it about people in the workplace. And I think some people go, oh, give me a break. There's people fighting in the war. And but but some of these workplaces and, and I mean, I'm not just my <clears throat> own experience and the experience of some of the other black women that, that I've talked to, like that's the equivalent, like you're being hunted, maybe not with a weapon, but they weaponize their authority. You know, yeah. you never know if you're going to get fired at any minute. And if you're the breadwinner for your home or you're a single parent, you know, you're just always on edge and you can't talk too loud. Well, I don't like your hair. Why does your hair look like that? Or why did you ro roll your eyes? Oh, you're always angry. You're, Absolutely. you know, and then just that constant, just somebody just drilling on you. That is traumatic. That Absolutely. is traumatic. Absolutely. It really is. And, and even when you think about just in, in, relationships and friendships you can have trauma from that too you know I, I had a conversation recently with someone about friendships and you know them struggling to move forward with making friends and they're they're struggling because in previous friendships they were hurt and betrayed so now they don't trust mm. you know PTSD can happen in in every aspect of your life it's not just work it's not limited to the, to uh, soldiers in combat you know you can be exposed to trauma you know a, a car accident you know uh, a medical condition you know it, it is trauma is real that's a good point on that friendship thing because if you think back to your point about finding the trigger sometimes we're in friendships that are triggering mm -hmm. and so to understand what those triggers are might result in ends of friendships or changes with how you relate to certain people yeah 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 do, do you um talk anything about like meditation or or positive affirmations or or do you work through things like that what is that what does that look like for for someone absolutely and just about everyone that comes to my office they receive an assignment of doing affirmations and morning and nighttime routines that can consist of mindfulness which to me is very beneficial with learning to be in tune with yourself, learning to be present in the moment, learning to be cognizant of what you're feeling in your body, which helps you to learn to self-regulate. And, and it works. Um, <laughs> Samantha is my therapist. And I will say that she definitely puts into practice everything that she has said here. And that mindfulness is, it's everything because it's your framing and just placing your intentions for the day has really helped going from one day where I felt extremely overwhelmed to the next day like okay today I will not be overwhelmed today I am going to end work at five o'clock today if I don't get to everything it is okay and that framing really sets the tone um, for how you operate and what you take in and what you give off. So it's, it's, it's been a, an amazing help. So I encourage y'all to engage in that mindfulness. 
Absolutely. Yes. And eliminate social media. <laughs> oh, yes. That's anxiety producing in and of itself. It, it really is. It's a breeding ground for self-comparison yes. into something that's not reality. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation all together. Because I mean, even even as on a professional platform and you see everybody else getting promoted, like, oh, I'm excited to announce I'm getting promoted. And you're like, wait a minute, well, how come I haven't got promoted? Like I got more degrees, I have more experience, I have that, you know, and then that, like you said, that, that, that comparison thing is, or, you know, everybody is super cute and super fit. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. What is, <laughs> right. yeah. what, yeah. what is what's happening? What is yeah. this called the number? All right. Right. So I tell, I tell all my patients and my clients, the first hour of your day should not consist of you checking that phone. It should not be talking to anyone, texting anyone. It definitely should not be social media because when you think about it, you go into social media, you have the marketing, you're seeing pictures of other people, you know, doing things and it's triggering. Like they do not deserve to set your pace and your tone for the day. You deserve to do that. So, you know, I personally sometimes take the apps off my phone so that I can be free of all of that. But I think that we have to be intentional about setting our own pace and our own atmosphere for the day. Yeah. What does they say? A thief, a, a comparison is the thief of joy. Absolutely. You know, like be who you are. Like you are beautifully and wonderfully made just the way you are. You're, yeah. you're special, period. And when, and when you stand in that, then you don't have to worry about like, oh, well, she's this, well, she looks like this, well, she had, doesn't matter. It's okay. It's liberating. Just yeah. be you. Just yeah. be you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What are, what are some other um, mental health issues that you've seen that are maybe more common with busy women or and, and Black women in particular? So in my practice, I pretty much have had women um, of the younger age, maybe adjusting to life after college. Um, and it's been a joy helping them to really kind of figure out their place and get their footing. Um, so adjustment disorder, major depression, generalized anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress. Those are pretty much the, the only um, disorders that I have seen. Okay. Have you seen an increase though? Like, like percentage wise, would you say like prior? Yeah. Like what, what roundabout percentage wise increase have you seen? So I would say during and after the pandemic, there was an increase of uh, individual seeking couples and marriage therapy. Um, and then I would say an increase of individuals seeking therapy for um, anxiety and then it's kind of level with major depressive disorder. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's become more acceptable now Absolutely. to say, hey, I think I might be having some mental health struggles and I need help. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not meant to live exclusively and independent. Like we, we need community. It's okay to say I need help. Yeah. yeah. I also get professional women that are just looking to take their lives to the next level. Um, that that comes across our office quite a bit. So so do you see like um, lack of confidence or um, low self-esteem just because of maybe the corporate environments they've been in just made them feel like they were never enough? 
I see that a lot. I also see uh, women that had just never found their voice mm-hmm. and are looking to um, move up in their career, learn how to set healthy boundaries and walk into their authentic selves. Wow. It's so interesting. And um, I don't know the right word to say the the fact that we have such similar experiences where we are triggered in ways um, around work um, that trigger things like anxiety and depression, especially with black women. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this podcast was birthed out of um, giving voice to those similar experiences so that we can encourage Black women that they're not in isolation, that there are means and opportunities to elevate and thrive beyond um, the experiences that we've had. Um, and in this Mental Health Month, um, we truly, truly encourage all of our Black women to put that oxygen mask on first and um, do your check-ins. Even if you feel okay in the moment, I think just like our vehicles get regular maintenance and oil changes, just like we have regularly scheduled checkups with our primary care physicians, I personally think it's really important to do those regular check-ins with our mental health professionals because we may be acting or not acting in ways um, that reflect something that needs to be addressed. Um, so, so with that being said, what are what are three best practices or tips that you would give us for addressing either burnout or depression or um, those kinds of more regularly seen mental health challenges uh, for for Black women? Sure. So, I would say, of course. Clinically, you want to seek a therapist. Um, you can have medication um, or find yourself a safe circle, right? That could be difficult these days. Um, if you're in therapy and you know you find that it's not working, you know, have a conversation with your therapist and you know maybe make some adjustments or find another therapist. But if you are not Uh, there yet and not ready to seek therapy, get a safe circle, find a a healthy routine of exercise, you know, some way of of an outlet, mindfulness meditation, you can look it up on YouTube, you want to find guided mindfulness meditation for generalized anxiety or major depression. Um, I would also say, um, maybe look to see where you can set some healthy boundaries in your life so that you can um, implement maybe a good healthy self-care routine and practice saying no. Cool. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you guys want to go check out our previous episode on saying no, it's a complete that sentence. It's yeah. a complete sentence. Um, this has been really, really good. I am so grateful that you spent time with us and sharing these wonderful nuggets of wisdom. Um, they're so needed. Um, we take on so much, we carry so much, and um, we have been modelers of holding on to more than what may be necessary from a mental health standpoint. So um, take heed to those three tips, either find your circle, find you a good therapist, um, and if medication is recommended, don't 
don't shy away from it. You're, you're, you're prioritizing yourself and your mental health is, is super important. Um, so thank you again. I, I hope, I hope to have you back. I want to talk about, uh, mental health and the correlation of online dating. I feel oh. like, it's, I feel yeah. like that could be an interest. Like what are the psychological impacts of the world of online dating what y'all think about that topic mm. that's a good topic that is good yeah, there's so much to talk about mm-hmm. let me know i definitely join you ladies again well thank you all for joining um be sure to watch subscribe share um and tune in to any of our previous episodes again this is black coffee with a side of candace thanks samantha Good chatting with you both, and we will see you next time. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black Coffee with a Side of Candor. Be sure to like, add, or follow this podcast on your streaming outlet of choice. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Black Coffee with a Side of Candor, for a visual podcast experience. Catch you next time.